dialogue. Pause room. You know a dream is like a river, ever changing as it flows. And a dreamer's just a vessel that must follow where it goes. Trying to learn from what's behind and never knowing what's in store makes each day a constant battle or just to stay between the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, I am Maxwell Ivey, known around the world as The Blind Blogger, and this is another episode of What's Your Excuse, where I help people overcome their excuses by bringing y'all interviews with people who have uh, overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances, people who have struck out and started an unusual business and made a success of it. People who have real-world tested advice and suggestions that can help you accomplish your goals and dreams, and people who I personally find interesting, inspiring, or intriguing. And you can find the show at theblindblogger.net. You can also find it on Roku and Amazon Streaming now by saying by going to Knob TV, K-N-O-B as in boy. You can also find me by saying Alexa, play what's your excuse or Google ask for what's your excuse, and again, theblindblogger.net. I also want to ask you to support my sponsor, Chip Edwards, who you can find at createmyvoice.com, or you can say, Alexa, play Create My Voice, or Google talk to Create My Voice, and he will help you create a, um, he will help you create a voice branding strategy that will allow you to protect your brand and make sure that you control your content online as well as on these uh, growing audiences that are getting contact through these wireless speakers. So definitely hope you will check him out at uh, createmyvoice.com. And me personally, I uh, offer a service where I help people get booked on podcasts and radio shows or as well as one where I teach you to become the next rock star podcast guest. And you can find out about, about all of that at theblindblogger.net. So today we have another interesting guest with us. Her name is Gwen Charles. Uh, she is a lady who has cerebral palsy. She works to help pe people with physical and mental disabilities to find their voice using the spoken and or written word. She is a coach helping people publish books, create blogs and podcasts. And she is also, she is also the host of Ask Win. And you can find her at askwin.weebly.com. Uh, so Win, welcome to What's Your Excuse? Well, thank you for having me, Max. It's been, I've interviewed you twice on my podcast twice and i thought that it would be nice that you turn the tables on me and <laughs> so i for those of you who are just getting to know me i have a neurological disability called cerebral palsy and i've had that for almost 33 years and yeah but that hasn't seemed to stop me it's only stopped me from a day job 
only because I got laid off. I literally got laid off the moment the coronavirus happened. So now I'm a full-time content entrepreneur and um, I have a lot of different irons in the fire, but right now I'm focusing on content and focusing on also multi-level marketing, which um, I am an independent consultant for Auburn, but I primarily focus on content creation to help educate people about cerebral palsy. Okay, so what exactly is cerebral palsy, and is there a is there a set type of experience with it, or is there a wide range of the way it affects people who have it? Cerebral palsy is a lack of oxygen injury at birth, and no, cerebral palsy affects people, but affects people in different ways. I happen to have moderate to severe cerebral palsy. Um, I need help 24-7. And so I know people personally that cannot speak, cannot walk. I know people personally that can walk, can talk, but I also know people that can walk, but have heavy speech impediments as well. Okay, so there is a wide range of effects. Is there, uh, what are the most common difficulties of somebody with cerebral, pal cerebral palsy as far as communicating with the general public and uh, say, finding employment? Well, Okay, finding employment, yikes. That's a, um, that's a sore subject in itself. And one, um, one reason why I got laid off is because they didn't have a plan for the time we are sitting now, which is coronavirus. And then they did not know what to do with me. They kept transferring me all around the kingdom come and putting me every which way. Finally, I got so sick of it that um, I just said I'm not returning in the fall. And so employment for people with disabilities is a tough one. Um, I'm lucky that I can actually have the big network and actually have the uses of my vocational rehab out here in Colorado that I can get gain employment. I can drop an employment in two seconds flat, gain another job. And I'm also obtaining a journalism degree. So um, at the same time of being a content creator slash a multi-level marketing consultant for Auburn, I just feel that I'm lucky. Most people in my position are not so lucky. Most people in my position struggle, and the studies I have seen, I have actually studied this, and I have 
seeing the studies they have done, they say most women with disability, most women with disabilities on published, and that was a study done out of the University of Washington, Seattle, and the woman looked at women in banking, and most women with disabilities have to work harder than their male counterparts, counterparts, and then um, most people with disabilities, those of us who are lucky enough to hold down jobs, are extremely lucky, but you have to adapt the um, environment to the employee, and most employers don't want to do that. Right. Um, have you found that it pretty much comes down to the the uh, quality of the rehab services available in the state, and even down to the uh, down to the the dedication of individual caseworkers that determines whether or not a uh, disabled person finds work. Uh, yes, but I was very lucky to find my original jobs my two original jobs without vocational rehab. It's only because I'm going into a completely different field that I will use vocational rehab to help me find a job. In 2000 and 2022, when I get my journalism degree, it's only because I'm going into a completely different field. Other than that, I use my network like everyone else. You know, I find it interesting that you're getting a degree in journalism at the same time when most of the journalists are starting podcasts. Well, yeah, I'm actually um, getting a degree in journalism because I want to be a better round, um, rounded journalist. I want the um, baseline of printed knowledge, how to write an article, how to do it. Even though I won't be using my journalism degree in a newsroom to say, oh, you never know. I will be using it more on a podcasting basis, but I still want the degree. You know, I think that you're your attitude about that is kind of a European approach where here in the U.S., if a course or your major doesn't directly translate to the skills you need for the job or profession you're going into, people see it as a waste. But in a lot of other parts of the world, they see any education as beneficial and something that you may find a use for at some point down the road. So I think it's, yes. I think it's great you're yes. taking that approach. Exactly. I'm taking the foreign um, approach. Maybe that's because of my mom not being from here. My mom was originally from Canada, moved to the Bahamas, and then moved, immigrated to the U.S., Okay, now you mentioned Corona, and uh, us podcasters are being asked to mention this, just uh, even though it may be several weeks before our interviews go live. Me personally, 
I'm here at my house in my bedroom where I would usually record. I'm safe and healthy. So is my immediate family. And the only person I knew who uh, had been affected by Corona, thankfully it turned out he was negative for Corona and he had, he had a different kind of flu. So one, how is your health? How is the health of the people around you, such as your, uh, your, the people who help you? You mentioned, you mentioned having yeah. assistance 24 seven. How is their health? And are there any special considerations before somebody with cerebral, cerebral palsy dealing with something like Corona? Well, basically the CDC has, the CDC here in the U.S. has put cerebral palsy on the top list. They've put, because cerebral palsy is a neurological condition, they've put cerebral palsy on the top list and all my immediate friends and all my immediate aides know that I have um, cerebral palsy and in fact before we got on this interview Max I was reading I was reading from a local perspective and I'm in Aspen Colorado which means the tourist attraction city of the um, Mecca. And so yeah. Aspen, Colorado has actually shut down. We're coming out of a slow lockdown. So Shelton, place mode, sorry. And then um, I am perfectly fine. My aides, my stepmom also knows that um, when they go out, they have to wear a mask because they're coming home to well, my stepmom is, and my aides are coming into a at risk person. So they, we all pretty much know that. And I knew, I knew flying home from a podcast movement what I was getting into. I have been in self quarantine since March 9th. Right. Yeah, I should mention that while me and Wynn have known each other for a couple of years now, um, some you know we you rarely get to meet other podcasters in person. Uh, but I was lucky enough to get to meet Wynn at uh, Podfest in Orlando back first week of March. Yeah, and it was it's pretty much the last big <laughs> yeah. event to happen this year. I yes. Mean, yes. And yes. and and everybody's going around like, okay. Should we have stayed home? And my res my response was, you know, this this could be like a a bridal groom's uh, bachelor party. This could be the last party we have we have for a long time. Yeah. So I wasn't about to stay yeah. home no, myself. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't either. I um, I actually got a shift in my own body in August of 2019. I was opposed with something and I turned that something down and that something was my stepmom asked me do you want to go skiing and I said absolutely not and my stepmom and aide at the time thought well when is grieving the loss of her dad which I had just lost my dad in May of 2019 no when I was preparing, I was preparing my shelter-in-place moves because I felt a shift in my own body. 
Okay. Right. And so I I didn't want to be function. I didn't want to be functioning after podcast movement because I know my own body. I know my limitations. And if I was functioning after podcast, um, I would have had the ski season shut down on me. I would have had everything else shut down on me. So my last move was um, Podfest in Orlando. Yeah, yeah, and I tell you, it was it was interesting at Podfest this year because last year I was the only person with a disability there. I was it. This year, there was another blind gentleman, David Goldstein. There was you, and there was a woman there with a emotional wellness dog. So I think she probably, I wish I had take, made, made a point to actually be introduced to her because I'm guessing she must have had some sort of a mental health issue if yeah. she brought a dog as difficult as it is to travel with a service animal. So uh, have, have you uh, had any experience with service animals and cerebral palsy? Um, or is that something you've considered or ever done? I have considered but, and this is public knowledge, people know I want a service dog so bad, but um, <laughs> I, I have to play my cards here um, because the service dogs are getting a bad rap because of what you just said. Emotional support animals are coming out left, right, and center. And so, People know I want a service dog, but I, when the time is right, I will get a service dog. Right. Well, for those people who don't know, I actually have, have been considering a, a guide dog. And at first, at first, I thought it was time for me to get one. And then I thought, well, my lifestyle isn't stimulating enough for a dog. And then I got in a conversation with some people who have guide dogs or who have had them or been involved in their training. And it was explained to me that there are dogs um, who are actually, uh, would actually be great dogs for somebody like me, but would ordinarily be washed out of the training program if they didn't have somebody that was maybe a little less physically active like me. So I'm still considering it myself. I, I think that the airlines are probably doing all of us a great favor by putting, a, you know, by putting a stop to the fake service animals by making, you know, people prove that. Oh that, yes. You know, oh, making yes. so and that I you know. I actually had have a friend who, um, who believe it or not, got the vest off Amazon and did all that. And just so he could bring his dog to work. And I, yeah. So I'm like, not for me, thank you very much. I have to play my cards correctly. Yeah. And when the time is right, the time is right. Right, y'all. I'm, I'm speaking with Wynn Charles. She's a podcaster. She helps other people start blogs, podcasts, and publish their books. Her goal is to help people with physical and mental disabilities to find their voice, whether it be in print or 
the spoken word, or perhaps even in, in performance art. So really happy to have her, and you can find her at windcharles.weebly.com. So let's talk a little bit more about your podcast. It's called Wind Charles. I know you have two other podcasts, but let's, as you said, let's focus on the big one. Uh, when did you start the podcast, and what made you decide, hey, I want to have a podcast? I started the podcast back in 2011 and um, my podcast is called Aswin and I interview um, people from all walks of life. I interview the disabled. I interview every which one and I um, interview people with disabilities, able-bodied people too because I am trying to educate myself about other disabilities and I am also trying to educate the public about cerebral palsy. Well great um and the the podcast let's see 2011 that means you've been doing this for nine years I mean wow I mean um just to share a statistic I learned two years ago at PodFest my first one one um if you if somebody starts a podcast and they get to their ninth episode, they record more than eight episodes, they're in the top 11% of the world's population of people who's, uh, who have podcasts because a lot of people start, but they say about the time you get to six, seven, eight episodes, it starts to become work, you know, so, and people quit. So you should be congratulated for nine years. Um, <laughs> yeah. What what was what have been some of your biggest challenges and how did you solve those problems in being a podcaster? Well, I first of all got a assistant, and um, my assistant, who happens to have CP, who happens to be my best friend, and um, I my assistant, I said when we were starting this article out, I said, "Hey, do you want to start?" do you want to do a po- uh, project with me? Didn't tell what it was. And she goes, well, what is it? I said, a podcast. I said, well, what do you want to do? I want you to be involved. She goes, I'll do scheduling. <laughs> and that was that. I mean, yeah, that was that. So I have a assistant. I also use a calendar, a calendar system that helps my assistant keep it organized so that she doesn't have to play the backwards, forwards, wild goose piece of email. But it's interesting because my assistant um, has gotten to the point where things just magically appear on my calendar. I mean, I don't even touch the scheduling. I do the podcast hosting. I pay for production and that's it yeah now we have we have totally different approaches to this you you pay for production and have your show polished me i basically tell people it's recorded live and whatever comes whatever we get down on on the recording that's what's going to show up on the internet and so far i've been able to get away with that because it fits my you know what what's your excuse brand but lately as i've as I've uh, been encouraged to improve the, the quality of my video recording, 
I'm starting to think that maybe it might be time to to get my my audio edited or um, you know have somebody uh, edit both the video and the audio before I upload them. But so far, I haven't haven't actually decided that. But I'm starting to think about it. Uh, well, how, how many how many hours would you say goes into you um, posting a new episode of your show? Well, I've also trained my assistant to do that. So it takes a good four hours because my editor is pretty quick after I um, get off recording an episode. My assistant turns it around to our editor and then um, my editor just sends it back to my assistant. She uploads it. Right. And um, which, which hosting company are y'all using? I am using Lipson. Lipson, okay. Well, I am with uh, Blueberry, but that or Blueberry, but that's uh, mainly because I'm not really a high tech person, and I find their their platform very user friendly to my screen reader. Which leads me into a question I uh, I should have asked much sooner. In your bio, it mentions uh, using accessible technology when possible. So, what technology, technology. do you use? What technology do you use personally, and what are some of the things you've helped helped other people adopt as far as uh, getting them to to get themselves to do what they need to do? Speech dictation, and people know I, people know that I use speech dictation, and I also um, use well, this is not as uh, this is technology in my book. This is a book publishing platform I use. Um, Kindle Direct Publishing, I also use Draft to Digital. I also teach people how to use Draft to Digital. And I also um, help them upload their books if they have a physical disability because um, Draft to Digital is a little bit more disabled friendly than Amazon. Amazon is a pit. And I have spoken to blind individuals about this. I have spoken to blind individuals and Amazon, when it comes to accessibility, they are the pits. And I don't like them. I like to use what I like to use, which is drafts to digital, drafts to digital. You can actually pick up the phone and get someone there on this point and to um, answer questions. And because I learned the hard way, because I've been in this arena since 2010, um, even though I started the podcast in 2011, I first published my book. And I learned that hard way that Amazon is not friendly to the disabled at all. Okay. So what is this app you prefer to use? Is it Drafts? Draft to Digital. Draft. Oh, draft to, draft to in, Digital. Um, okay. Draft to Digital.com. All, right. all right. Now, do they do the publishing or do, do they submit it to Kindle uh, for you? How does that part of it work? They do, they do the more more ebook side of it they they have partnerships with libraries and partnerships with Kindle and 
partnerships with Apple, Apple Books, and then partnerships with um, Kalino, and then partnerships all over the planet. And you hit two simple buttons, you agree to the terms, you're done. And all you have to do is upload a cover. And then um, England Sparks is another one I use, which um, England Sparks does um, print. So I. And that's because, that's what what books is that one? Ingram Sparks. Ingrams. And yeah. Okay, Ingrams books, and they do the print on demand, similar to what the what Create Space used to be before they combined yes. it with. Candle yes. Direct Publishing. Okay. Yes. Ingram Book. Yes. All right. Now, um, are you allowed to publish the same book to uh, Amazon and to uh, Draft to Digital? Yes. You're allowed to publish the same book. You're allowed to publish the same book in um, England. Sparks actually has a. Um, ebook platform as well, but I use them more for um, print copies than I do than I do um, ebooks. But right. I also do um, and depending on the length of the book, one hundred and eighty pages, you can also use draft to digital. Draft to digital now has a um, partnership with Amazon where Draft to Digital will do the um, print books as well. Okay. Well, um, if let's see with Draft to Digital and then Amazon, uh, do Draft? Do you think Draft to Digital and and KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing, do you think that they uh, they're um, they're no, that wasn't the question. One day, um, a friend of mine uses a platform called Lulu. And he says that one of the advantages to using that platform is that not everybody knows about it yet. And as a result, your book can actually get seen more quickly than it would on Amazon. Is that the case also with, with, with draft to digital? Well, with all these book distributors, Max, you have to promote the book you have to promote the book. And just like when you start a podcast, you have to promote the podcast. And just like when you start any company, you have to promote that company. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it, is kind of, uh, it is kind of interesting how there used to be a time, and it's probably – eight, nine, 10 years ago when this stopped being the case, there used to be a time that if you could get a traditional publisher to accept your work, that they would do all the publicity and promotion for your book. But nowadays, whether you self-publish or vanity publish or use a traditional publisher, you have to do the promotion because in fact, very yes. few traditional publishers will take a book anymore without first looking at your platforms, you know, your, yeah. your networks, they want to see no. if you can help them promote yeah. before they'll consider publishing your book. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Lulu's Amazon, uh, Kindle direct publishing, um, 
drafted it at all. England response, you as the individual have to promote the book. Yeah, I think you could have said that five or ten more times just because it's that important. And it's that, it's that, uh, it's that necessary. It's that critical. It's that uh, elementary. So have you done any, uh, uh, could you mention a couple of, of your own book titles and have you done any live uh, book events to promote your books? I have, and I loved it. And as soon as I can travel again, I will do be doing a live book event. But primarily, I work off of social media. Primarily, I'm doing um, social media, although I can have the options to travel. When I can, I love traveling. I love meeting people in person, but I, I'm a wizard when it comes to technology. Okay, so of the social media networks, which one are you finding the most valuable towards promoting your books? Twitter. And, yeah. Twitter, and the second one would be Facebook. All right. Um, not much experience, Not much success with uh, LinkedIn as far as promoting a book. <sighs> um, LinkedIn is more now for my next book, which I'm working on. Um, I will. It's a book about podcasting, and um, it's. I will use LinkedIn, but for my non-fiction work, I use. Twitter and Facebook, and then I, um, I don't, I promote my books via my podcast when people ask me about it, so I don't necessarily, they, I've gotten to the point now where I can say I just post a link to a book and people <laughs> seem to buy it and follow it and share it out because I had a big network before I published I Come A Win, and I Come A Win landed up um, hitting Amazon number one 24 hours after it was published. Okay, so you've become an influencer then. So, what, what yeah. do you, so where do people go wrong with social media that keeps them from actually uh, selling their book or their course or uh whatever other product or service they may have they they wrong by not looking under every single rock they go wrong <laughs> by lo not looking under every single buck and i say that to max is laughing at me because he's blind but you have to find out about every single rock i just found out about i turned over rock today for my new company um, the Arbonne company that I'm now an independent consultant with. And it's like, I scour the internet, I scour my phone book, I scour my network, my network is out here. I didn't find resources. If it wasn't for me finding, if it wasn't for me having a network that I do, I would be one stuck duck. Without oh, okay. the um, without the work I'm doing 
just as a disabled woman, because um, as as your listeners may know, when you graduate high school, the services drop off the planet. And so without my network, I would be one stuck duck. And people like, when you're doing amazing, you're doing amazing, you're doing amazing, you have cerebral palsy and you're doing all this stuff, I say it's my network that does it. It's my network that does it. And it's everything that goes around my network. So did you start building this network before you graduated from high school or since then? I started building this network. Um, I started, well, I started, I published that book in October. I started building my network in August of 2010 right after losing my mom because I had just lost my job previously and I knew that I wanted to make an income for myself and I knew that I needed help and I knew that I wanted to make an income for myself and I knew that I wanted to be as financially independent as I could be. All right. And do you feel like you've achieved that level or are you, do you still have a little ways to go? I still have a little ways to go. I um, think within the next two years, I will achieve that level of being financially independent and not necessarily relying on a paycheck. Although I am on SSI and social security income and I am financially stable. And so, but I have two years to go and I just calculated that today as a matter of fact, it's going to take me two years to build up my consultancy end of it. Um, but I am going to do it and have you guys come along for the ride. All right. So uh, being this person that is living with cerebral palsy, that's published books, record, uh, hosts a podcast, helps other people get started as creative entrepreneurs, what is the one thing that you would tell people is the most important thing that they need to know or most important skill they need to develop if they're going to be successful? Most important skill that you need to develop is, and I've learned this from other multi-level marketing companies and people that do multi-level marketing, most, um, most successful skill is be open to new opportunities. Be open to um, finding those new opportunities. Be open to networking with other people. Be open to n not um, when one dog, one dog closes, be open to knocking down another door. 
because that's how I got through my life. I got through my life with the kindness of strangers and the kindness of Care.com and the kindness of Care.com is a aid site, by the way, and the kindness of people helping me. And it's the positive attitude of you're going to be grumpy. People are not going to want to help you. <laughs> All right. Well, Lynn, I appreciate you spending some time with me on What's Your Excuse? And um, I look forward to, to seeing what else, um, is, what else you get up to and, and where this journey of yours leads from here. Thank you. Okay, we had another great interview here on What's Your Excuse? This time with Wynn Charles of, of Ask Wynn. You can find her at askwynn.weebly.com. And uh, a couple of things that stuck out to me is she talked about having a positive attitude because uh, people are more likely to help you if you're positive and upbeat than if you're grumpy, as she said it. Uh, she said, don't be afraid to ask for help. And to uh, sound like she said, though, that, you know, people should let us as people with disabilities try on our own before they offer to help. Uh, but if you do offer to help and uh, somebody says, no, they've got it, uh, you know, don't hold that against them if, you know, a few minutes later they are willing to ask for your help. Um, we all have to do that in our own time, our own schedule. Um, I think it's interesting she talked about being determined and building a network that she's been building her online community for 10 years. And I think that's important because I think far too many people want to build that network like yesterday. They friend people on Facebook, they follow people on Twitter, they send out connection requests on LinkedIn. They're trying to grow that network, grow, 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 but all they're doing is creating numbers and not creating real connections or real network. So I think the fact that she started 10 years ago and then a couple years ago when she published her first book, the network was there to support her book. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing her next book when it goes out there. And I'm also planning on trying to learn from her in promoting my next book, which I don't have a title for it yet. I think it's going to be called The Blind Bloggers speaking and book signing adventure or the blind bloggers and continuing adventures first book promo tour or something along those lines we're still me and lorraine at wordingwell.com we're still working on, on that um but it's going to be about my trip to philadelphia to do my first public speaking to uh, Buffalo, New York, where I did my first book signing, and then a few other places along the way before I came back home that summer. Uh, the trip has some great experiences in it where I had to overcome canceled events, delayed trains, money shortages, but I also made some great new friends and had some, some wonderful new experiences, both big and small, and looking forward to sharing all that with y'all in my next book, which hopefully will be out the end of April or the 1st of May. Uh, if you want to find out more and be kept up to date, go to theblindblogger.net and sign up to my email list. I do hope y'all will support my sponsor, Chip Edwards at createmyvoice.com. Uh, it is 
vital that you claim your invocation, which is the words people will use to ask for you and your content on Alexa and Google. If you don't do it, somebody else will. And then one of two things will happen. Either people will accidentally go to somebody else thinking they are you and, and receiving their content, which may even be harmful to your audience and your reputation, or you will have to pick a different name for people to call, for people to ask for on these wireless speakers, and a name that won't be as easy to say or as uh, perfect for you and your brand as what you would have chosen. So reach out to Chip, definitely claim your invocation name. Even if you aren't going to use it, even if you don't see the value of it right this minute, the longer we go, the more difficult it's gonna to be to fix this if you don't take care of it now. So reach out to Chip, get on a call with him, find out more about voice branding and uh, take advantage of his experience in this area. That's it, createmyvoice.com, or you can say Alexa, uh, play Create My Voice, or you can say Google, talk to Create My Voice. And uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate y'all continuing to support my podcast by watching and listening and sharing. I appreciate your encouragement because if I didn't know that y'all were paying attention, that y'all were depending on me for that next podcast interview, it wouldn't be near as easy to keep doing this. This is hard. It's uh, hard work to put out content every week, to, to schedule the interviews, to think about the questions to ask, to have these conversations. I enjoy it. I love the heck out of it. It's fun, but it's still hard work. Nothing says something can't be both. And so without y'all's interest, support, encouragement, I couldn't keep doing it. And so I want you to know that and I appreciate you. And until next time, uh, y'all take care out there. I am Maxwell Ivy, the blind blogger, and this has been What's Your Excuse? Too many times we stand aside and let the water slip away to what we've put off to tomorrow has finally come today. So don't stand upon the shoreline and say you're satisfied. Choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide.